Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom. To the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Jim Ross Report. (laughs) With WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. And now, the man himself. Good old JR. Yes, indeed. Slobberknocker Audio is back on the air. I am Jim Ross, as usual. Thank you very much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. For those of you that are celebrating that wonderful holiday, I can tell you this. It's the most challenging holiday for me personally uh, to be at home alone uh, for since uh, Jan left us. Because for about a week, uh, our house smells so good. She's always cooking something. Uh, and uh, it was just a, you, you hated it. You wanted to go outside so you could come back in and smell it again. It's great. So I miss uh, that little, her touch. I can remember one of my, my most fun moments was sitting in my mother's little mobile home in Westville, Oklahoma, and watching her teach my wife, Jan, the little Italian from Pittsburgh, how to make cornbread dressing. We didn't call it stuffing. It didn't have no damn oysters in it. More on that later. It was cornbread dressing, and it was amazing. So for years, she'd say, what do you want for Thanksgiving? I'd give her the same two answers. I want cornbread dressing and pumpkin pie. Anything else is just a bonus. Or in this case, I might say, is gravy. So I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family and your friends, you know, food, and maybe a little football. So uh, have a good week and, and enjoy this special occasion but i took a little tumble as i, I displayed on uh on, on social media last friday night i missed a couple of steps coming out of a friend's house and uh, at a function and it was dark and i wasn't paying attention and i'd had a couple of cocktails but i certainly wasn't drinking to the degree that it would impair my walking i just got in a dark spot and, and missed a step or two but luckily my face broke my fall on the concrete sidewalk. So a uh, little concussion, uh, no stitches, quite a bit of blood, but superficial stuff, like getting gigged in a wrestling match, I guess. Uh, my teeth are loosened. That was kind of cool. I felt like Freddie Mercury for a couple of days with my teeth. I said, not otherwise, but uh, not there's anything wrong with that. So that's been an interesting little thing. So I've, I've, I'm doing fine. I'm going to I'm going to uh, North Carolina this weekend. We're on, on WrestleCade coming here in a few moments. I'm keeping my commitments. Uh, the headaches are lessening. Thank goodness for ibuprofen. And now, ladies and gentlemen, with all that said, and so much more to go, here's what's on my mind. Man, there's a lot of things that have created an interest in my mind, my feeble mind. And, and of course, uh, two of the primary things occurred at Survivor Series, helped this past uh, Sunday, in Los Angeles at the Staples Arena. Uh, Survivor Series, uh, by the way, is going to Chicago next year for four big days. That'll be great. 
uh, one of my favorite cities, by the way, but I digress, as usual. Uh, I was uh, amazingly impressed with the uh, Charlotte-Rousey matchup. I said on Twitter, at JRSBBQ, that it was the, uh, the most uh, physically, uh, the most physicality, the most emotion that I'd ever seen in a women's match, ever. Uh, of course, these women competing today are so far ahead athletically, aesthetically, uh, in, in, in many other ways, maybe not fundamentally, maybe not toughness, I don't know these things, than their predecessors. Uh, I'd suggest that in her heyday, Mula would probably go through the locker room if she wanted to, with the exception of maybe Ronda Rousey. But that's another story for another fantasy league. Uh, really impressed by Charlotte and Rhonda. They, they had tears in her eyes. Their facial expressions were not contrived. It was an organic match. And we also need to, uh, I think, uh, recognize the contributions that Dave Fit Finley, one of WWE's great agents, uh, put into that match, from what I'm told. So uh, I was really proud of their effort. The story was logical. It was passionate. Uh, you know, it, it, it was one of those matches where unless you're too vain or too egocentric was just one that would suspend your disbelief. And those are few and far between now, uh, nowadays in wrestling, in my opinion. Uh, they didn't do anything that jumps out at me in hindsight that I said, oh, my God, that took me out of the moment. That was horrible. Why would he do that? The facial expressions, the body English. The timing uh, was a whole different level than uh, Rousey had ever been on. I can tell you that uh, Charlotte's the closest to that area because Charlotte had a great match with Oscar, who I still think is underutilized. And she had a, a phenomenal match that really set the tone for this uh, Survivor Series with Becky Lynch. Let's not forget, Becky Lynch has kind of set the table here now because she is, Becky Lynch, in my opinion, has superseded. Uh, all the other women in the company. She's the top female in, in WWE right now, which in the eyes of a lot of folks means she's the top female in wrestling. Uh, that, I don't know that's a subjective statement as well, but nonetheless, the Becky Lynch attitude, uh, the angle with Rousey, uh, the grittiness, getting her nose broken or, or whatever happened in her face. Uh, that's like me talking, me talking about her injuries. <laughs> I mean, she got a she got a concussion. I don't know if she broke her nose or not, but this you know a pretty stiff pop there by knee and Jack. So in any event, it's gonna if it's all done right, that that misstep can enhance everybody. But as great as Rousey and Charlotte was, I believe it was because the audience was ready for it because they had high expectations. The women are smart; they're great athletes. They knew the expectations were going to be off the page, thanks to what uh, the the angle with Rousey and, and Becky and the match with Becky and Charlotte at Evolution, of course. So uh, good stuff. And who knows, you know, now maybe uh, with all the heartache and the setback, you know, who knows? Now this thing's evolving. It could be, uh, it could be Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania in New York. More on that to come. Also on Survivor Series, I really appreciated the effort, the strategy, the match that was laid out with Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryant. Uh, of course, Paul Heyman, I'm sure, had a, had a hand in 
in uh, structuring that match to some degree. He has to, you know, Paul's going to have some suggestions, as he should. I would encourage him to give me his suggestions on anything in that regard. But uh, they made a new match out of this scenario. It was a, they made a very believable match that took me out of my, uh, my uh, it's, a, it's a showbiz wrestling match, put me back in the same mode I was with Charlotte and Ronda, suspended my disbelief because it was real to me. It was real in the sense that uh, it was logical. And then it became even more real when Daniel Bryan, using wrestling techniques, wrestling stylings, a little MMA mixed in, some good kicks, made it believable despite the huge size difference. Under normal circumstances, I know that Brock was announced at 265, which is a good you know, shout, foreshadowing of his MMA weight because he's going to have to weigh 265 max to, to fight in the heavyweight division. Uh, in the USC, which is, you know, coming up. Uh, but, boy, they uh, they did a great job. Now, I will say this. Leslie has, has uh, uh, downsized. He's He looks much leaner, uh, much faster. He's freaky, man. He is a scary son of a buck. But 265, I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Uh, the only the one thing about that, there were, there were times in that match where I know Heyman has some great sound bites. That's what he does. He's really good at it. Nobody better. Why couldn't I hear them? Because if the announcers were giving me information that I had to have at that moment that was imperative, I get it. But they didn't. So I think they missed out on some drama, uh, they meaning WWE, by not allowing the, the, the uh, Paul, Paul Heyman's audio to come into my living room. But i got to say that the match was very strategic, very well laid out. Uh, I'm just really, I was really excited about how both those matches went. Uh, and, uh, we'll see how, how, how it progresses, but Daniel Bryant's, uh, whether he's going to be a heel, full-fledged heel or not, I can see him being a, a, a full-fledged heel, but not easily. On another note, uh, Braun Strowman's getting elbow surgery. From what I understand, it's an, it's going to be an arthroscopic surgery to clean up a bunch of bone chips and some spurs. The good news there is that's it's, it's not non-invasive, obviously, but it's, it's less invasive than uh, a, a major rebuild. So it's not a major rebuild, but he's got to get it attended uh, to so he can have full rotation of the arm and extension and so forth, and he can still lift and train. So uh, he'll, be, he'll be good. This is not a unless they discover something in the surgery process, he should be back to he should be good to go in, in a few weeks. As traditionally, that's the case. Uh, one thing I noticed this weekend that's on my mind is the overuse of a variety of dyes. Now, here they feel so, oh, here he goes again. That old bastard, he just, he just hates those uh, acrobatics. No, I don't. Not at all. Hey, I saw Chavo Guerrero Sr. do a, one of the first moonsaults I ever saw. I called it. So I, I ain't new to this game. But here's, the, here's my issue. It's not the dyes. It's the the uh, overuse of the dyes. And in this business, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's just, especially this last weekend, it seemed to me to be, okay, enough is enough. Now, I watched the NXT show on, on tape delay as an OU football, believe it or not. Uh, and I can, there's some, we'll talk about that too here in this show. But, you know, the more they're used, folks, quite simply, the less they mean. It's that simple. I'm not against dyes. 
but they're high risk, they're low reward because a dive rarely leads to a finish. So I guess the guys that are doing all the diving aren't good enough at their diving to beat somebody with it because they don't. High risk, low reward. I just think the overuse of it is making it very hard to get that holy shit moment. This is awesome. All that stuff. And guys sometimes put dives in for the sake of, I guess that's part of their repertoire. I saw Seth Rollins do a couple of dives on, uh, I think it was either Sunday or, no, it was on uh, Monday night. I think it was Monday night. That I don't know that he needed to do. Why risk it? Well, that's how I go all out, and I'm, you know, okay, okay, I get it. Easy, easy. Uh, but point being is that guys like him that are big-time talents, that are high-value talents, they are getting a lot of money put behind them, need to be judicious. And he has great facial expressions. Rollins can wrestle. He knows how to sell. Use those skills. I don't see enough of that, and I don't need to have those taken away, that time taken away, those opportunities taken away to see him do a flip or a dive. Too valuable. So uh, there's that. A few things on my mind there. Uh, also, I had a good meeting today, Wednesday, about the Saul Rocker two with a big-time player. We'll see how that materializes. You never know. Until something's, the ink is dry and all that, it don't mean nada. But uh, things are looking good. Paul O'Brien and I are working on Slobberknocker 2, which I don't know what the working title is. That's the working title. I don't know what the real title is going to be. Maybe that. Who knows? But you can still get our books uh, Amazon.com. they got all forms, audio. It's pretty cool. Uh, the hardcover and ebooks. Amazon.com. Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling. Appreciate your support there. Also, appreciate you supporting our food products online at www.shop.com. I've mentioned before there's ex- exemplary uh Customer satisfaction, order fulfillment, www.shop.com. Get those orders in for the holidays. And I'm really excited about the fact that we are now in 212 Ingalls supermarkets. They're in Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and Virginia. So uh, I, I hope you guys will check that out because if you see my stuff on the shelf, barbecue sauces, chipotle ketchup, the jalapeno honey mustard, uh, which is called main event mustard, uh, very, very healthy, uh, then uh, take a take a pic of it and uh, tweet it to me, will you? Or Facebook it, wherever you do. And uh, let's see if we get a little momentum going here. I appreciate your support on that deal. And a portion of everything sold goes to Headlock on Hunger. And uh, I'm a big, I'm the national chairman of Headlock on Hunger in Asheville, headlockonhunger.org. Uh, great organization. We feed hungry children. Because as Bill Murdoch says, when you're hungry, nothing else matters. That's a fact, folks. This Saturday, I'll be with Bill and his team at WrestleCade in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, at a signing to support Headlock on Hunger from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. I'd love to see you come by and say hi and get a picture taken or get some swag signed. Or I think Raphael's, Raphael's going to be there for sure with some sauces and some books. I'll sign that, those things as well. Just a nice, leisurely uh, appearance. It's a long one. So when nobody's going to get rushed to the line. So drop on by and see us in uh, Winston-Salem on Saturday. What a great event that is. Man, they got tons and tons of people. I really admire the, the people that put that thing on because can you imagine the headaches and the babysitting and the BS you got to go through with some of these talents? Jeez. My last stage show of the year is going to be with Jerry Lawler in Cleveland at Hilarities. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday, December the 8th. That's two weeks this Saturday, folks, right around the corner. 
We'll have an afternoon show, 2 o'clock, a meet and greet. 4 o'clock, the general show at 4 o'clock. Tickets are on sale now at hilarities.com and the uh, box office at, uh, at the venue. Uh, VIP is 85 bucks. Pictures, conversation, autographs, sign your swag, uh, all that good stuff. Just the show only is $35. Tickets at hilarities.com. Love to see you there in Cleveland. And yes, the King and I are staying overnight, and we're going to the Browns game the next day. Let's see if my boy Becker Mayfield try to w- win a game. I think they're playing uh, Carolina. Speaking of football, my best wishes to Washington Redskins quarterback Alex Smith, who had his leg broken in a gruesome play against the Houston Texans in Washington on Sunday. And the, the irony of that, and the reason I'll bring it up, is it was 33 years ago to the day that the same thing happened to another Redskins quarterback, Joe Theismann. Lawrence Taylor did that. If you guys remember, great Lawrence Taylor, number 56. Maybe the most disruptive defensive player in the history of the game. I saw on Twitter, uh, Gil Brandt, the great genius from the Dallas Cowboys uh, days gone by, Gil Brandt had some really cool things that they were similar, almost eerie uh, about this, this occurrence. He's at Gil Brandt on, on Twitter. If you're a football fan, he's a must-follow, quite frankly. What a gimmick this thing is on Friday night, huh? they got to shoot an angle with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. Do you think this will be the one and all, a one-off? Do you think somebody will come back and say, let's go double or nothing or whatever? Uh, Mickelson and Tiger got a pay-per-view this Friday night in Las Vegas for a winner-take-all $9 million pot. Nine mil. The match will not only feature the winner-take-all nine mil, but also side challenges. And, you know, we know that from what we hear, Mickelson and Tiger are both notorious gamblers. So they're going to love this longest drive, the closest to the pin, all these other bets. So it's going to be an interesting made-for-television golfing event. I don't have a gut feeling how it's going to go, but I'll tell you this, I'm interested in it. I'm not going to be watching it because I'm going to be watching OU West Virginia. But uh, I'm interested in, in how it comes out and see how pay-per-view golf does on television. Speaking of uh, Friday night, Oklahoma travels to Morgantown, West Virginia, play the Mountaineers after winning a 55-40 to bowling shoe ugly game, my God, against Kansas. And I'm not gutting a quarter in Kansas. They just hired less miles. They'll get better. But uh, Kansas outplayed Oklahoma in many aspects of the ball game. That's just on senior night. On the most, what should be a, one of the most passionate nights of the year of your life, man. So we win fifty-five to forty. Okay, it's a win. We're ten and one. I love that. Kyler Murray, I still think, is the best football player in America. Uh, uh, he had twenty-one. 21 completions, 32 attempts, 272 yards passing, two touchdowns, eight carries, 99 yards, and three touchdowns. So he counted for five touchdowns on Saturday. Uh, I know the sentimental thing right now may be Tua, the quarterback at Alabama, because he's really great, plays on a great team. But that should not be held against him because he's surrounded by five stars. He's a hell player. I'm biased. See, I'm honest. I'm not some of these sports guys that bullshit you. I'm, I'm honest. I'm biased. Un- unabashedly. So now my boys are uh, ten and one. They're number six in the poll. They're favored by two and a half. Sat- uh, Friday at West Virginia. I don't like it. Uh, the over under is eighty four. I love that. And the reason the points went up on the on the over under, in my belief, is that the apparently the weather is going to hold off moisture until after midnight. That's a big difference. 
So uh, I won't be there in body, but I'll be there in spirit, no doubt about that. But I'll be probably at the Marriott and Winston-Salem sweating one out. Should be fun. Uh, as I mentioned, Les Miles has returned to uh, college football, Big 12, Kansas. We'll see what he can do to resurrect that. It won't be dull with him there, I'll tell you that. From the, around the wrestling horn, as we continue to move on here on the Jim Ross Report, uh, David Arquette's last foray in wrestling was not too pretty. Uh, here's the deal. He got into a, a death match. And death matches have no rhyme or reason. They, they, they need structure, but it seems like they're just whatever you think of, what do you want to use, what's, lay, what's laying around. It's just BS, trash. And uh, uh, this, uh, the, Arquette got a, a light tube broken over his head. Thank God none of it went in his eyes. But it did uh, cut him, a lot of bleeding. Uh, you know, I met David at uh, one of my signings or some oh, someplace. I can't remember where it was. He bought my book. I signed it for him. Nice guy, very polite. You know, I'm not an advocate that he should have been the WCW champion, but what the hell do I care at this point in my life? Let it go. Let it go. So, uh, but he does need to be in a match of that nature. Here's the thing, folks. I don't know the promoter. I don't know who the booker is. I'm not damning them. But you never put a talent in a match that you don't fully understand their skill set and their, their, what they can do and what they can't do. You don't ask the talent to execute something with dangerous, inanimate objects when they've never done it before. You just don't do it. Bad booking, in my opinion. That's all. It's my opinion. So uh, just very questionable. Here's the thing, man, in the wrestling business, and that's why I talked about you know earlier about the uh, craziness of the uh, flips and the dives and the acrobatics. Most guys don't get any money when you're off. That's the business that we're in. If you're off, a lot of places don't pay you. So uh, something to think about. So anyway, David Arquette's skill set did not mention the booking, and uh, I hope he does not wrestle a death match again. And why in God's name do you got to use light tubes in a wrestling match? God, really? Uh, congratulations to Ring of Honor. They're closing out a very uh, successful year, arguably maybe their most successful year ever. they got two big shows coming up to New York City, Hammerstein Ballroom. Final battle on Friday, December 14. And they'll be down in Philly on uh, at the 2300 Arena uh, for final battle fallout. So... Uh, you know, support the Ring of Honor, doing a good job. They got some great talents. They got some big events coming up, including their uh, foray into Madison Square Garden, which will be on, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first Saturday in April. Tickets for Impact Wrestling's homecoming pay per view on January 6th, three days after your favorite podcaster's birthday. No, I'm not talking about Conrad. He's my favorite. Connie, oh my God, those chinks. He's married. He loves being married. He loves breakfast. Uh, the uh, homecoming pay-per-view for Impact Wrestling is going to be at the Nashville Fairgrounds. That building just can't get enough wrestling. And the tickets are going to sell this Monday, November 26. Uh, so uh, uh, Raphael tells us that's Cyber Monday. Thanks, Rob. ImpactWrestling.com for more details. Support your local wrestling organization. Hey, some of you guys that are, work for companies, I know a lot of you listen. If you got something you want me to plug or help you out with, you got to let me know. I'm not a goddamn detective. 
Uh, I mentioned a few things about Survivor Series. Uh, I thought it was a really fun event. I enjoyed the show overall. Uh, had some things on it I didn't like, but my God, when you're on when you're on the air five hours, you, you ain't gonna get a winner every segment. You have to have something for everybody. I get that too. Uh, I mentioned Lesnar and Daniel Bryan having a very unique match. Uh, I thought that was really well done. The Rousey Charlotte Flair match is maybe the match of the year, uh, no matter the gender. I thought one thing I saw on the on Survivor Series, the the great talent. That's within the 205 Live group. Buddy Murphy retained his cruiserweight title by defeating Mustafa Ali. Really good match. I really had fun watching it. I just wish I gave a damn. I wish I cared about both guys more. I'd heard their work ethic. I know they're good kids. They're talented. You can see in three minutes of a match that they got skills. I, they don't. They have not made an emotional attachment to me. Because why? I don't watch their show regularly. That's why I suggested that especially on Raw, does it hurt to have a, uh, a a nice 205 match on Raw every week or on SmackDown every week? It's a fresh talent. You know they're going to turn it up. You know they're going to bust their ass and give you a great effort. That's the only way they're going to get over it. Other than that, they're always going to be perceived as less than. Oh, that's that, uh, that cable show. They're not even, not even cable. That's that internet show. A lot of talent there not being exposed. I don't know why. The next thing you know, they'll be on milk cartons. I didn't like the uh, pee angle. Yeah, I'm old, crotchety. Not a good week for me to have a lot of humor after busting my face. Uh, but I understand some people like bathroom humor. And then it continued. At least it had some continuity. It continued again on Monday. Enough of the pee angle. And like I always say when I did pay-per-views as an announcer back in my day, I always wore darks. You never knew. Uh, Nia Jax made a nice impression. She's got some good steam. She and Rousey coming up. I predict the Nia will tap. Uh, I, I enjoy I'm going in reverse order here, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Saturday night I watched. I didn't get to see the, the event live. I watched it later when my family left on Saturday, on Sunday morning. Grandpa had to spend some granddaughter time. And... Uh, I thought that the war games, which become kind of the focal point of that uh, takeover, was was well done. It's hard to process that many people and that many moving parts, and then you, you one or two uh, acrobatic moves is certainly not enough. Everybody could do their thing; they all want to do their thing, and of course, Ricochet got to do the biggest thing. Bottom line, it might have been a little long for me. Bottom line, it might have been a little bit too much, seemingly uh, orchestration not organic and transitions, but the effort was amazing. Uh, it was a great, spectacular attraction. I hope they do it again. So, uh, And I want to thank all those guys for their work, their work ethic, all those cats. Did a hell of a job. Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream had a damn good match. Really good, really good. I thought Velveteen Dream's channeling of Hollywood Hogan was kind of timely. It was kind of cool. He's a smart kid. He's a smart kid. I'm sure there's others there that are helping him with his creative direction and presentation. He's a smart kid. And uh, Alistair Black, who I really like, is also uh, he defeated Johnny Gargano, who's e- excellent. Another big time match. Saw where uh, my fellow Westwood One uh, podcaster Sean X Pac Waltman. He was at ringside during that show. Oh, Sean got him some good tickets, good seats. 
I'm really excited about today's show, as always. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's, that's celebrating the holiday. We're talking to Angelina Love, uh, also Lauren Williams, a.k.a., uh, here a little bit later in the show. I really admire her because she is a single mom that man makes time to do it all. You'll hear about that story uh, coming up. So uh, I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation that we're going to have here in a few moments uh, with Angelina Love. I'll probably just call her Lauren. How's that? But uh, big show, a lot of things coming up. Uh, and enjoy your turkey because that's what's on my mind. Well, folks, we want to learn more about you. If you have a minute to spare, I'd really appreciate if you visited the uh, website I'm about to give you. It's called www.podsurvey.com. www.podsurvey.com. And complete the survey to help us learn more about you. We just, we're, we're looking for information. It'll take you a minute or two. Information is what we're needing on how to create better content, how to, uh, to engage better advertisers and advertisers that you, based on your likes, your demographic, uh, would respond to. Pretty simple. So it's, uh, again, just a quick, quick shot at the website, www.podsurvey.com, because we want to learn more about you. And moving right along here, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us. Thanks for subscribing to our program for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your Slobberknocker audio in your life, you can find us. New show drops every Wednesday, as you know. Uh, and it's time now for the vaunted, much-desired Slobberknocker of the Week Award. A lot of attaboys, a lot of good things happening, uh, thanks to folks stepping up and and uh, doing the right thing. For example, uh, former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, he just donated $1.8 billion to John Hopkins University for uh, financial aid. And the focus of the donation was committed to increasing the number of talented, lower-income students to attend the school, to be admitted loan-free. That's big time. That's really big time. That's stepping up. Of course, we all can't donate that kind of money because we don't have it. Due to the former mayor, he didn't have to do it. Although it was nice he got the the uh, contribution maybe before the end of the year, tax purposes. Oh, I'm kidding. Great job, Mayor. Uh, LeBron James proving again he's still the best basketball player of the NBA. Dropping 51 in uh, in my in, in Miami against the Heat. 51. He's 30, I don't know, he's been playing 20-something years. He's still, lead, I think he's leading the league in scoring. He does things that are just inhuman, unhuman, unhuman. They're inhuman to, their, to the opposition. He's the best basketball player of the game today. But what about Russell Westbrook? Nope. What about KD? That crybaby? Nope. LeBron James is the man. He's like the undertaker. LeBron James is the undertaker of the damn NBA, folks. Listen to this analogy. LeBron James... Is like the undertaker of the NBA. He's going to be the best at what he does until LeBron says, I'm done. My Steelers, Thanksgiving week, I talked about my wife's great cooking. Or, you know, our pregame meal for Thanksgiving would be chicken and, dress, chicken and dumplings, homemade, and a Lipitor from me. Her Steelers are 7-2-1, and one, second best record in the AFC, and they've done this after a, a very dubious start all the uh, Le'Veon Bell BS, 
You know, I think maybe this Le'Veon Bell fiasco, maybe it's proved to galvanize the team. It's kind of like, you know, we don't need him. We got us. And that's a great attitude for any organization or any team to have. We have us. And I'll take ours and play yours anytime. Monday Night Football is amazing. Rams beat the Chiefs 54-51. A Monday Night Football slobber knocker. Without question. Uh, the Rams now 10-1. Uh, they're the, they're the best, had the best record uh, in the uh, NFL. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a pretty damn good night in losing effort. Six touchdowns. But he did have three picks. And uh, Jared Goff had a nice night, too. 400-plus yards, four touchdowns, and no picks. Hmm. That makes sense? Of course it does. Uh, and, of course, I mentioned on Twitter that uh, as a result of the score of 54-51, to 51, that both teams are now honorary members of the Big 12 Conference. Because we don't play defense either. My friend Mike Leach out there at Washington State's got a big game this week, Apple Bowl. He's got a hell of a quarterback. Gardner... Minshew. You know you got to be a tough son of a bitch to be named Gardner Minshew and literally tell about it. But let me tell you something, man. Seven TD passes, no picks. Hmm. 473 yards. So he's uh, all of a sudden has been vaulted onto the uh, Heisman list, and, and deservedly so. Leach got to be fun to play for, huh? Golly. Great sound bites. I'd like to watch his press conference. Hell, I'm in Oklahoma. He's in Washington. Pullman, I think. I saw uh, on a really a cool video of Lars Sullivan coming soon to WWE, the main roster. I think it would be a great addition. And here's the thing. He needs to stay unscathed for months. There's absolutely no reason for him to stutter, fall out of the blocks, trip, get back up, regroup, re- 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 be reintroduced. Just let him maul people that makes sense, do things that make sense, and don't have him leaving his feet at the blink of a hat or on a clothesline. Uh, Lars Sullivan has the look to be that distinctive guy that if you walk by him in an airport, you walk, you drive by on a billboard, you're going to react. But this week's Slobber Knock of the Week goes to two ladies. If you haven't figured out by now, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. Yeah! You know, the, the match they had at Survivor Series, as I mentioned, best female match as far as uh, intensity, physicality, Pure passion, real tears I've ever seen in my life. I was moved by it. My friend Steve Austin, who I talked to this week, said, uh, finally, professional wrestling is back. I hope you're right, Rattlesnake. I hope you're right. So my congratulations to both Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey because, ladies, you are the slobber knockers of the week. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mess. Son of a bitch! Don't forget, everyone, that I'll be in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You know, I'm looking forward to hooking up with my friend Bob Cottle. I'm going to try to grab Bob for an interview. Maybe he'll be a guest on our, on our podcast here. One of my favorite, all-time favorite broadcast partners. One of the, if everybody in wrestling had the character and the morals of Bob Cottle. Oh my God, how great would this business be? Same in life. But unfortunately, kids, it ain't that way. Nonetheless, I look forward to seeing Bob uh, at uh, Russell Kate. I'll be there Saturday from 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. Tickets are still available. Uh, you get them online. I'm sure you can buy them at the, at the Doe. So uh, I'll see you there, hopefully. 
Uh, but right now it's time for the Pet Coon Goofy Award, and I got some Pet Coon Goofy people here to talk about. Uh, first of all, I don't know what's up with Bill Maher. I'm a Bill Maher fan by and large because I like his humor. I don't agree with all his politics. I don't agree with anybody on TV's all their politics. I could care less what goes on either side of the aisle because I don't trust people there. But Bill got a lot of heat from, he was like a heel. He's like a heel manager. He picked out a very tender, raw subject in the death of Stan Lee, a comic book a genius. He disrespected Stan's legacy. And the man just died. He's 90-something. He was our slobber knocker of the week last week. And uh, he even talked about the ridiculousness of uh, comic books and pop culture. Don't get that. So I look at it this way. He was looking for a sensational statement, a topic that hit a hot button. He, he did it. His writers and he successfully figured out we can do this and get a lot of stretch. And they have. But I think he's like a heel manager. Can you imagine Bill Maher having a debate with, let's say, Jim Cornette? That's television. That's money. Enzo Amore. I like this kid. I've always liked him. Eric was always polite to me, respectful, and cared about my opinion. Not that he did all the things I suggested, but he cared enough to listen, look me in the eye, and uh, soak it in. Trying to get to on camera, and he did. He caused a stir at Survivor Series, and he did. He had, he had a great seat, hard camera side, blah, 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 all those things that raise your eyebrows. You go, hmm. But in any event, the publicity was not real positive for him, but it was publicity. So at Hollywood, which is where he is, he's trying to get in the, be a rapper. He's got an album out now, I know. He had a rough week. He got kicked off a plane from JFK to L.A. because he wouldn't stop vaping. That was challenging. He could have gone to jail over that one, and he don't need that again. You know, he's trying to create an interest in him and his rap career. Enzo, my man, you're too talented. You're too smart. Don't be too defiant in your quest to reestablish yourself as an entertainer in another field. Uh, and again, I like the guy, but he, he's getting bad advice or he's not thinking things through. Not a sound move, in my opinion, on a Sunday night. But this week's Pet Coon Goofy Award, folks, uh, is going to go to Mark D'Amico. He's 39. He allegedly forced his ex-girlfriend, Kate McClure, she's 28, to peddle a phony tale of charity that, get this, fueled $400,000 in donations which the couple pocketed, the lawyers say. So they used this uh, homeless man, supposedly a homeless vet in Philadelphia, claiming that, you know, he, he gave her his last $20 because she needed to buy gas, and it, was a, it should be a Toby Keith Country song. Bottom line, they built the system out of $400,000, and trusting people, having empathy for the story, fed right into it. $400,000. That's some mysteries go to jail. Bad decisions. Cheating people, being misrepresenting the truth, uh, just going out of your way to be a, a, a tool. Ain't going to get you nowhere. Ain't going to get you. You just create more negative. I told somebody this week, I said, JR, how do you stay so positive? Pretty damned easy. I refuse to pack any negatives in my carry on. It don't make the trip anymore. 
And if you have to bring me negative in, in your life to, for me to share with your negative, I can't do it. Sorry. Am I selfish? Yeah, probably. Just don't feel like I need to mire myself uh, in your negativity. And um, my family knows that. I'm a little, I'm a, kind of weirded up in that respect. There's no reason for it. There's no toleration level for it. We counter enough negativity in the normal course of life without creating more. So these people have created a lot of negativity. They've, they've built the, the society uh, over people's generosity and their heart. Bad business. Shame on you, Mark D'Amico. Because you, sir, are pet coon goofy. Because you are one lousy son of a This week in wrestling, it really centers around the Thanksgiving holiday and the fact that Thanksgiving night and afternoon at at certain point, mostly at night, was one of the biggest, most successful, best attended pro wrestling events of the entire calendar year. It was that way for a long time. So uh, we're going to focus a little bit more on some of the Thanksgiving events in This Week in Wrestling because the reason the cards are all unique, obviously, but the the fun thing about for me is to look back at the booking and to see how, how things were booked and knowing that everything that was booked on these Mid-South cards especially had a very strong story building up to that match where the Superdome in New Orleans was the be-all, end-all, and Thanksgiving night was the night. So we'll get, get to that momentarily, but I want to tell you that 63 years ago, 1955, uh, this was a, uh, the original Japanese promotion, JWA. Ricky Dozen became the inaugural All-Asia Heavyweight Champion, uh, and uh, he would hold that title for over eight years until his death at the hands of the Yakuza in 1963. Now, I know there's been a movie made about that. I'm sure there's, there's books as well. But, boy, that's an interesting uh, that sounds like a project that The Rock could get his teeth into because it's very dramatic. And Ricky Dozan was like, he was like Elvis, man. His TV ratings that he earned uh, were nothing short of extraordinary, scary. But apparently he didn't want to share, the, share his wealth that he earned with the Yakuza, and they eliminated him from the equation. 38 years ago, folks, in the Superdome in New Orleans, 1980, Mid-South Wrestling's Thanksgiving Day Superdome Extravaganza. Uh, I'm just looking at this card, kind of cool. Jake Roberts defeated Paul Ellering to retain the Mid-South Louisiana title. Ted DiBiase defeated the Super Destroyer by disqualification. The American Dream defeated Ivan Koloff. Listen to this one. The team of the Junkyard Dog and Cowboy Bill Watts defeated the Combination of Big Cat, Ernie Ladd, I thought a fat man in that club to a woman. Leroy Brown, Ernie Ladd. That was a big team. Good spotlight for JYD, though, which is why it was booked that way. Ernie was the booker. The grappler, Lynn Denton, great, one of the best masked men of all time. A defeated killer, Carl Cox, to retain the Mid-South North American title. And that was really over. That title was really over, too, at that time. And what Cox was a genius. And Lenny learned a lot down there, and Lenny's been one of the great hands in the last generation or two in the business. And then they had a main event being a lights-out match. So, every, all the, so what you do, you have the whole card, 
All right? You have that one last match. The lights go out for momentarily. They come back on. That's Ernie Ladd defeating Paul Orndorff. Yes, they wrestled in the, earlier in the card, but a personal side issue had this match booked. So after the card's over, the regular card is, is, is concluded. You get this match. That was 38 years ago. I remember that. Then a year after that, 37 years ago, duh, uh, same thing, New Orleans, Thanksgiving Day, Superdome Extravaganza. Listen, these, listen the names on this thing. Uh, Iron Sheik defeated King Cobra. Ernie Ladd defeated Kerry Von Erich by countout. Wink, wink. Dusty Rhodes defeated the great Kabuki, if you will. A great promos, too, by the way. I think Gary Hart was managing Kabuki. Maybe Akbar, I can't remember. Then uh, uh, Mid-South champ, North American champ Ted DiBiase defeated his challenger, Bob Roop. That was a big signature win for Teddy because Roop was a big-timer. Uh, and it was great on Teddy's bill going up, young guy. The main event, the Junkyard Dog and Mike George defeated the team of Paul Orndorff and Bob Orton Jr. to retain the Mid-South Tag Team titles. And you might say, well, how did that car draw? Did almost 20,000 people. Good booking, though. The stories leading into the, to the matches – were significantly built. That's a different deal than you get today. Too much mind-changing, vacillation, second-guessing, trends, quarter hours, Twitter, social media, whatever. A lot of influences. Then the influence was, how many tickets are we selling? 35 years ago, in the Greensboro Coliseum, in 1983, the inaugural Starcade. Well, this is a, this got, they did such a great job promoting this. The thing about Dusty... Dusty was one of the great marketers in the history of wrestling. Yeah, we know he's a great promo guy. He's a, he's a, very, he's a major attraction wrestler. He was the classic funk. He was one and only dream. But he had the ability to get things, a flair or a seasoning, and make them feel bigger than maybe they are. That's marketing. On this card, he booked uh, uh, Ric Flair, defeated uh, Harley Race. And a steel cage match, won the title, NWA title. I remember Gene Kaniski was a special referee for that match. And the other match that stands out in my mind on that card was one of the best tag matches I think I've ever seen. Recent guest on the show here, Ricky Steamboat and the late Jay Youngblood defeated the then champions. And nobody was ever any better, folks. Don't nobody BS you. Nobody was ever any better in tag teams than the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry. And I'm not just saying that because they're fellow Okies and they're Native Americans, as am I. They just for that damn good. And then uh, 32 years ago, again on, on Thanksgiving, uh, the Superdome Extravaganza, it was named, UWF had their first event there. Didn't draw well. Uh, UWF Tag Champions Leroy Brown and Bill Irwin beat uh, Joseph Bolden and Gary Young to retain the titles. Uh, Chavo Guerrero beat Sting via DQ. Why the DQ? UWF television champion Savannah Jack beat Nature Boy Buddy Landell via forfeit to retain the title. Ugh. Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeated the UWF champion, the one-man gang, by disqualification. No title change. What are we doing? One-man gang won a two-ring battle royal. By the way, uh, Duggan and the gang had some phenomenal matches. They beat the hell out of each other. They had a, there's, a, there's a lot of matches on the, on the WWE Network, uh, the archive stuff, Mid-South, that they kill it. They kill it. Uh, so he, Gang won the, the two-ring battle royal. And then listen to this. A dual main event. Dual main event. So there's a little politics involved, as you can imagine as we go through this. 
a dual main event. Now, first of all, if Watts didn't like it, he wouldn't have done it. But he got more. He got people happy, and it was this: the first wrestler from either match to score a win gets to assist their friend. So it's Terry Taylor defeated Buddy Roberts in a barbed wire cage match, then assisted Doctor Destiny Williams, who defeated Michael Hayes in the other steel cage match. It makes no sense right now. You're hearing it from me, but over six or eight weeks or several months or a few months, you got it. You got it. And the free birds were that hot. They're, they're the classic uh, heels. What heels, they can't be today, it seemed like, because heels want to be cool. They want to sell stuff. Uh, they want to have hand signs and all this other thing. Uh, they use their real name on Twitter. They're out of character all the time. Don't get it. Uh, but the free birds were, were the legit item. People paid money to see them get their ass whipped. That is the mark of a great villain. And then uh, in 1987 on Thanksgiving, UIC Pavilion in Chicago, the home of next year's Survivor Series weekend, uh, Chi-Town Heat went head-to-head, by the way, with the inaugural Survivor Series from WWE. And the main event in the UIC Pavilion featured Ric Flair defeating then-champion Ronnie Garvin, hands of stone, in a steel cage match to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. Can you see where we're going these cage matches? They're, they're put there to settle things. They're not put there to perpetuate things. They're there to end issues, settle the score. Very basic logic. So when a steel cage match came to your town, you know, there was no BS. Winner, loser, yes, I like that. And we're going to be able to conclude this thing. Pretty good stuff. Uh, Also, another cage match, Dusty defeated then-champion Lex Luger to earn the United States title. See, cage match, winner. You know, final, final. And the Brain Busters. Well, what a great team Tully and Arn were, huh? Hmm. They defeated the Road Warriors to retain the NWA World Tag Team titles. That was a huge match. Road Warriors considered then, now, and maybe forever as the most dominant tag team in the entire game. And they they got beat by the, the artisans who could do more work on the canvas and Rembrandt. Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, two Hall of Famers. And then uh, I want to, we threw this in because it's kind of cool. This kind of helped me uh, get out of uh, divorce debt. 30 years ago, Ted Turner finalized the deal to purchase Jim Crockett Promotions, leading to the birth of the nationally televised WCW. And Tony Schiavone and I got very nice contracts, thanks to Uncle Ted. Thank you, Uncle Ted. And now birthdays. Get through these things. Birthdays here on, on Thanksgiving week. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I'm having Thanksgiving with my friends, the Marsh family. They live in Houston. They're here. They have a home in Norman. Wallace is my buddy. We share a suite together at the stadium. I love Wallace. Big-time Mid-South fan back in the day. He said, well, some people grew up watching Andy Griffith or whatever, John Wayne. He was a cowboy Bill Watts, Dick Murdoch guy. I'm my kind of guy. Wallace and his family are just like, uh, I'm not part of their family, so we're going to enjoy that on Thursday before I take out. Uh, today, uh, I want to... Wish happy birthday to Alpha, one half of the Wild Samoans. Alpha, 76. Boy, he was a great heel. Him, him and uh, Sika had no fear. They liked the heat. I'm not so sure that's the case today. I don't think they ever cared about uh, how many T-shirts they sold. Uh, also, uh, happy birthday to Shane Douglas. He was the former UWF television champion. Boy, Mr. Barnett loved. I love Shane Douglas. My God, he's beautiful. His eyes are blue. His hair is blonde. 
So then somebody said, yeah. And Shane is very amply endowed, Mr. Barnett. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, on Thanksgiving, happy birthday to former WCW Cruiserweight champion. I defy how this man made weight. Uh, Oklahoma, Ed Ferrara, 52. And no, I'm not mad at Eddie. Eddie had a role to play. Eddie had a living to make. I was a little pissed off at the beginning because I thought it was a little low blowish. Maybe it still was. That air has been cleared years ago. Come on. God dang. How, he, his, his name wasn't even Oklahoma. It's, it's, it's showbiz. And it was tough casting. And they're trying to get noticed. And they're trying to get ratings. And I'm proud that they thought I had enough uh, stay in power, so to speak, that people would care enough about that character to side with me and, and, and hate Ed Ferrara, who was a heel. He's supposed to be disliked. But nonetheless, happy birthday, Eddie. On Friday, uh, fellow NWA Hall of Famer, the late Gene Kanitsky, would have been 90. They said Gene Kanitsky talked so loud in the huddle that they had to calm him down in the Canadian Football League. He would talk in the huddle about what play they should run or, con- or, or, or confront a teammate, and the, and the quarterback would have to calm him down. Big Gene. Well, what an athlete. That son of a He had cardio of a, a secretariat. Uh, two-time former WWE Cruiserweight champion, Juventud Guerrero, 44. Seems like he's been around longer than that, doesn't it? Started young. Happy birthday, Hoovy. On Saturday, uh, the inaugural and reigning Women of Honor champion, Sumi Sakai, 47. Still getting it on. Gotta love it. WWE Hall of Famer, class of 2017. And uh, now commentator on the WWE Network, Beth Phoenix, is 38. She doesn't look it, folks. She's a magnificent woman, great mom, and a wonderful, wonderful wife to my friend Adam Copeland. Who, by the way, Adam and Edge have their podcast here now on Westwood One, the mighty Westwood One. Uh, I think it drops on Fridays. Good show. Check it out. A lot, a lot of good, a lot of good teammates here. We have a good team of podcasters here uh, with Westwood One, and I'm happy to happy to speak good of them. On Sunday, uh, celebrating a birthday will be one half of the Hall of Fame tag team, the Valiant Brothers, the late Johnny Valiant. Uh, he, he would have been 72. I think Johnny Valiant was, I believe he was Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler back when Vince first uh, kind of stuck his toe in the water in the WWF. You know, we all got our favorites at a young, impressionable age. I think Johnny Valiant was Vince's. Also, uh, happy birthday on Sunday to uh, Impact broadcaster Josh Matthews. Young Josh is 38. Gosh, I remember when he just he started with WWE back in the day. Hardworking kid, tough enougher. Uh, and the uh, winner of the inaugural Warrior Award at 2015 WWE Hall of Fame, uh, the inspiration behind Connor's Cure Charity. Uh, what a guy! Little guy with some. The late Connor Mahalik would have been 13. God bless your soul. And on Monday, one half of the tag team, Hall of Fame tag team, the Blackjacks, he is the maternal grandfather of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. He was the father-in-law of Mike Rotunda. He's the daddy of the mama of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. You get me? Blackjack Mulligan. Would have been 76. He was 
I read a story one time that Bear Bryant thought that signing uh, Bob Wyndham, his real name, was essential in the success of uh, Bear Bryant building a program back at Texas A&M back in the day. He was that good on the gridiron. Massive, quick, agile. As I said many times, he was like, well, you just like the big guys. No, here's the thing, folks. We're all amazed, more often than not, about big athletic uh, men and, to a lesser degree, big athletic women. It's just, it's just we are. It's intriguing. And he was really good. He did. He, had, he always threw money with, with Andre, any other big heels, or any other big baby faces. Uh, he, that was Black Jack was just great at it. Great talker. And uh, one of my favorites of all time, I'm so glad that she's in the Hall of Fame, class of 2018, Ivory. Lisa Moretti will only be 57. She looks like she's 35. Doing great work uh, up there in Washington area, Pacific Northwest. Does a lot of stuff with rescue animals. Uh, A wonderful person. And she was so invaluable to the success of the Attitude Era women when we had to flip the switch and go to hiring tens that necessarily all couldn't wrestle yet. She was one of those there that could uh, have a proverbial match with a broomstick, all of the funks. So happy birthday, Ivory. I miss seeing you. And then on Tuesday, uh, happy birthday to, speaking of Pacific Northwest, former champion there, the late Playboy Buddy Rose. Would have been, he's my age, 66. Gosh, I read that. And he was a great athlete, and he's down the same age as me now, and I'm alive and he's not. How lucky are we that are here to hear this? Very blessed. Never take a day for granted, folks, seriously. And the original Tiger Mask, former WWF junior heavyweight champion, Satoru Siyama, 61. Boy, he's something, too. He was something. Way ahead of his time, I think people would agree. So happy birthday to all you folks. Until the next time we celebrate, remember... I've got the cake. You've got mail. Hey, folks, remember you can uh, email us, producer Ted and myself, uh, at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. And I give you that because we would like for you to provide us uh, your feedback, uh, a guest you might want to see on the show, a topic you might want me to address, anything, any feedback whatsoever, good, bad, or indifferent. It's your show as much as it is mine. I, I, I can't do it without your support. And I can't do it as well for you if I don't know what you're kind of wanting. So uh, hit, hit us at uh, Report at gmail.com for our, our mailbag portion of the show, which is now. Uh, from Josh White, hey, JR, just want to send my best wishes to you on a quick recovery. That must have been a nasty fall. <laughs> the fall wasn't bad. The damn landing was a bitch. And, uh, but as I said before, I thank God my, my uh, chair of cheeks much like Connie's, was able to break my fall. I have so many people, seriously, I want to thank all the guys. I heard a great uh, shout-out on Wednesday, or Tuesday, on Busted Open uh, on Sirius XM Channel 93 with uh, my friend Dave LaGreca and my boy Mark Henry, who's getting ready to be honored by the Cauliflower Alley Club, a club I'm very partial and, and proud to be a part of. Lifetime member, by the way. You can be one, too. CauliflowerAuditClub.org is where you ought to check that out. So, uh, with so many people, I had uh, on Saturday, I had uh, Orlando Brown starting tackle. The Baltimore Ravens hit me a text. Coach Stoops hit me a text. A lot of the coaches at OU, uh, various and sundry others. It was just, 
a lot of outpouring of good stuff. People taking time out of a busy schedule to say, hey, JR, hope, or, you know, hope you're okay. And I'm okay. I am okay. So thank you, Josh. Uh, from Thomas McCauley, hey, JR, as someone who's taken some bad falls in my 57 years, I want to wish you the best in your recovery. Hey, man, I'm fine. I really am doing good. The headaches are subsided. Concussions, you know, easing. I'm going on the road this weekend. Life is good, man. Life is good. But remember this, uh, Thomas. Uh, uh, concrete don't do any jobs. Mother Nature, Father Time, and concrete puts nobody over. From Carlos Martinez, a.k.a. Solrak. Okay. I might just say some dirty word in some foreign language I'm not aware of, but nonetheless. Carlos says, been a huge fan for a long time. Uh, watched wrestling with you, with my dad growing up. My question to you is about the current state of women's wrestling, the excitement of Becky's nose being broken, and the fallout of Rousey versus Charlotte at Survivor Series. Do you think WWE has found a new way to get us captivated like they did during the Attitude Era? Here's, what's, here's the deal. It's really simple. The women are connecting with the audience better than most of the men. Okay? Uh, I care about Becky Lynch. The character, the person, the battle, the struggle, her guts, her grit. I care about Charlotte Flair. Notwithstanding the fact I've known her since she was a little girl, she's a magnificent athlete. If you didn't, you didn't, get, you didn't tap into that on Sunday night. Uh, shame on you. She's a world class D one Division one athlete, and she had she has she has her father's emotions. Now that can be a blessing and a curse in real life. Yep, yeah, can be. But it's if it's parlayed correctly, you see what happens when that when it's parlayed correctly uh, in the presentation on Sunday night. So, uh, and Ronda Rousey was a made star when she got here. So and now they're just enhancing that, and I, I still think that their Oscars, are un, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is, is underutilized. There's a lot of really there's a great talents here. They're young, and here's the thing: what WWE's got to do, continue to keep the door open so everybody can come in and compete, even though it looks like. Uh, Rousey and Charlotte and especially Becky are the big three right now. Uh, you wonder if that if it's a three-man team or is the gate open where mo- others can come in and, uh, and, and play in that same yard. I think the gate's open. I think that it's wide open. You're as good as your last match. You got to keep reinventing yourself. But boy, the women they got now are athletic, uh, Carlos, and they just do a hell of a job. So I'm they, 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 they stumbled on something very, very good. And I say stumble like it was inadvertent. They recruited great women. They've molded them. They've got great teachers, great coaches that spend more time with the women. And I will challenge you this. I bet you the women are easier to coach because the guys know it all. They know it all. Not all of them, some of them. It's not me. I'm a season ticket over to OU Women's Basketball, front row, Jack Nicholson seats. I haven't gone to many men's games over the years. Uh, I do. Blake Griffin was here. Because the women give you 100% effort every single time down the floor. It's about the team. It's about the game. It's not about preening. It's not about uh, sports center moments. You know, I, I get sick of football when somebody makes a play and they got to separate themselves from the play they just made. They got to get this, they got to get all this, uh, you know, this stuff in the spotlight. It's like, geez, are you that insecure for God's sakes? I'm just passionate, man. I'm passionate, brother. Hmm. Jonathan in Columbus, Ohio. 
I wish that OU and Nebraska still met annually during the Thanksgiving week. Ben, me too, Jonathan. Me too. Uh, what What are a few of your favorite or most memorable Nebraska versus uh, Oklahoma rivalries? Well, uh, the one in 1971, I think, was for the national championship, basically. And they came, Nebraska came down to Norman and beat my Sooners. I think the score was 35 to 31. Great game. Uh, you know, and they, I, I've always been a fan of Tom Osborne. He and Barry Switzer were great friends, but so they had some wonderful games. I also remember a couple of games where OU went to Lincoln around the mid 80s and uh, shut them down. Because the winner of that game always got to seemingly always got to go to the Orange Bowl. They won the conference, a big big eight at the time, and they qualified to go to the Orange Bowl. But that's yeah, I'm with you. We can think of big money and television, reflecting their muscle, and making sure everybody knows that they they got a, they're they're better hung than anybody else. Sad. Don't screw up our football. From Cynthia V in Las Vegas, one of my favorite cities. I stay at the D Hotel downtown on uh, Fremont Street. I stay in room 1704. My friend Derek Stevens, Jeff Victor, take care of me. Good people. Best steakhouse in Vegas, too, folks. Andy Amo, second floor. Check it out. Uh, big fan of the podcast, uh, Cynthia says. I grew up watching wrestling in the late 80s. Right time the mega powers exploded. Uh, we used to have a crop of talented man. Oh, managers. She's talking about managers. Yeah, uh, well, Bobby Heenan was the best ever, and Jimmy Hart was not too far behind. They were all really, really good. It just was a thing that kind of it factored out, uh, Cynthia. I don't really know why, other than the, the talent pool for managing got shallow. And it looks like that's kind of becoming more relevant, you know, with uh, Leo Rush trying to get his thing down. You got uh, uh, PP Boy, uh, Drake Maverick, and... Uh, of course, the, the Grand Poopaw. He's not a manager, by the way. Paul Heyman. Advocate. That's smart, too, isn't it? So, uh, but that's the thing. You, I, I believe that the right person with the right faction, presented correctly, can be a, an effective manager in WWE or anywhere else, for that matter. The key thing is, is what happens is that it's like a new toy. And you're all of a sudden, instead of getting the building up some angst and getting over, we're bouncing around like they're rubber balls. And so then beating somebody up, like taking too many dives, less is more. They're not, they haven't been intelligently booked, in my opinion. But there's a, certainly a place for that. And there's a place here for your questions as well. Uh, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. Producer Ted and I enjoy getting your emails. The show, again, as I said, is just as much about you guys as anybody else. Because without you, I'm dead in the water. And that's why I'm very grateful and appreciate you guys very much. I'm very blessed for many things here this uh, special week, including and no, no, nobody more important than our listeners. And that's our viewer mail. I got to say, there's uh, a lot of people I admire in wrestling that uh, are finding their way after their main in-ring career has concluded or is concluded, for at least for now. None more than Lauren Williams, better known as Angelina Love, who's joining us here. You are an amazing woman, able to be a single mom, still do some wrestling events, and other things like movies and so forth. Uh, how do you do it? 
Uh, I think once you become a mom, you you walk into this whole new realm of life where you can pretty much do anything. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I've been wrestling. I'm 37. I've been wrestling for 18 years. So it's been about half my life. I've been doing that. So um, I feel like somehow I may I may be involved in the business for a long time yet, even if I'm not, you know, physically competing. Um and, you know, my son is, is number one in every aspect in my life. And he, he's easy. He's, I, I've been blessed. I was blessed with an amazing pregnancy. And um, he's just a, an absolute sweetheart. I, I'm just to the moon and back about my son. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've dabbled in acting here and there, mostly with um, Canadian companies, actually. Um, I've got some good connections up in the Toronto area. And we've been able to do some really fun stuff. So, um, I have some scenes in a, a Christmas movie that's on Netflix right now called Christmas with a View. It's a really fun, festive, you know, holiday movie. It's funny. It's cute. It's, it's you know, I, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Your character's name is Janice Barker, I see. So is that, yes. is that correct? Janice <laughs> Barker? Uh, well, let's yeah, check and, it out. It's, I've heard good things about that, Lauren. You know, you, you're, you're very talented. And uh, I think sometimes we need to see a family movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, the, the other girl that I act with, her name is uh, Brigitte Kingsley. She's an actor and producer and talent scout up in Toronto. She's the other Janice. So we're Janice and Janice. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like legally blonde type characters. We're like the, you know, the dumb groupies. <laughs> and I think we should have a spinoff because we could probably get a whole movie out of us just being ridiculous together. Well, maybe that'll happen. You never know. Somebody, you might strike somebody's fancy and they <laughs> catch the eye, you know. That's how... Uh, you know, not not too long after we signed Dwayne Johnson, uh, and he started becoming more prominent in his role on Monday Night. You know, people started looking, and they he, he got found. You know, it didn't take long. So oh sure, you know, somebody's going to see something and say, "I got a part for that girl. That woman out there would be perfect for this or that." So that's a good thing for you. Your little your little boy. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of I've, I just uh, feel like I know him because. Uh, I, I follow Lauren on fa- Facebook, and she she's always uh, posting some just beautiful pictures of her and her son. And he looks he's an adorable little guy, but there's so much uh, of him there. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that almost like he, he has his own little audience because he's got he's so he's the damnest photogenic kid I've ever seen. He's amazing. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's, he's adorable. I actually have him signed up at a little talent agency, uh, where we live too. Um, he just, I can't stay away from his face. He's always just, his new thing to say now is no ma. <laughs> Cause I'm always just like, I'm always just covering him in kisses and I can't stop touching his face and his hair. And he's just, he's such a mama's boy, which just, you know, makes my heart sing. Um, and I am that mom that posts a lot about my son, but he's my, He's my most the thing I'm most proud of in life. So, well, that's a that's a beautiful thing to hear and if you say because it's all true. It's the greatest role we'll ever have. All of us that are in, in the entertainment business. Always, you know, especially in the wrestling business, trying to how we're going to be booked, how we're going to be used, and blah blah blah. T-shirts and you know videos yeah. and all. The greatest role any of us will ever have is uh, being a, a parent. And I, I had and now here's for me. Because for most of my two daughters' life, uh, I was immersed in wrestling. It was all my life was immersed in, you know, the grunt and groan business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, but now I got two granddaughters, 
and I'm going to screw that up. So I got a 10th grader and a 7th grader. And then that's a whole new world too, right? Like being a parent is one thing, but then once you're a grandparent, that's like a whole, a whole the new best. thing as well. Lauren, it's the best. It's yeah, the best. Yeah, I hear. <laughs> and, and truly, you can, you, can, you can take care of them. You can dote over them. You can spoil them. And you can send them home. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, so my life definitely changed in the way where when I was just single Lauren, you know, I was going to bed, you know, midnight, 1 a.m. and getting up, you know, whenever. <laughs> now it's like my son goes to bed at 8.30 and I am not far behind him. <laughs> right. Well, you guys obviously have a great little relationship. and I, That's intriguing and interesting that you got him uh, on somebody's radar because, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to hire a lot of talent, some some of them worked out really well. Some didn't. But the ones that were successes uh, were significant successes. And I just believe that he's got something special about him that makes him to me a he could be a child star if he could if he's fun at communicating and he likes to talk and have fun in that regard. Uh, he's going to really be a, some something really someone interesting to follow. I can tell you. He he does, and and I'm not just saying this because I'm completely biased because he's my own child, but he I feel like he has this kind of like magnetic personality and this magnetic energy. Like even when I would just take him grocery shopping when he was you know three months old, like he's got these gigantic blue eyes and a million like long eyelashes and like <laughs> women from everywhere. Like it started. I'm already prepared for like you know when five year old girls are running him you know around trying to kiss his face and when he gets older and has a million girlfriends like. Since he's been a baby, just women from the ages of two to 70 just flock to him when they see him. And, you know, he bats his eyes and he's got this funny little like squeaky laugh and he just he knows how to work it. And he's only two and a half. <laughs> well, you get your hands full there, young lady. Got your hands full there. I do. I know you're Canadian, but do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Yes, I go all out. I am. I grew up with every holiday was a really big deal. Um my mom is one of nine and my dad is one of six. So we have, we always had huge extended family get togethers. And those are some of the best memories that I have growing up. And it's really important for me to make sure that my son gets to experience those kind of things as well. So, you know, um, Thanksgiving's a big deal. Halloween is a big deal. Christmas <laughs> is a big deal. New Year's, I do wake him up about 10 minutes before the ball drops because. We got to bring in the new year together and, you know, Easter, get the get the egg hunt going. Like, I just I just know that I'm so thankful for my parents for, you know, doing that for me and my sister when we were growing up. That's like that's a huge, huge priority for me to be able to do for my son so he can have those memories, too. When growing up in Canada, was was pro wrestling a, a significant part of your uh, of your upbringing? Was it something that was on TV? You heard it a couple of times. Where did wrestling fit? Uh, to young Lauren, <laughs> me and only me. Um, my, you know, my family didn't watch it. We we always watched sports. Like I remember watching, you know, Leafs games with my dad and Blue Jays games with my dad. But um, wrestling, I just completely stumbled upon as a child, flipping through the channels. And um, I, you know, I was just drawn. I think the first thing I ever saw was Macho Man drop an elbow on Ricky Steamboat, and you know, just Macho Man's, you know character and mannerisms his flashy outfits you know once he goes to the top everyone knows he's going to drop the elbow and the camera flashes are going and i just remember i think i was seven and i was like oh my god what is this this is great you know and um my sister and i were always involved in athletics growing up and playing sports growing up so anything like that that i saw i was you know drawn to and uh 
just being so young, you know, if I remembered the day or the time or the channel, if I caught it, I caught it. But then once I became a teenager and learned how to work a VCR and, you know, stayed up later at night, it was on, you know, TSN and they would like replay it at like three in the morning and I would tape it when it would air at like nine o'clock. And then I would also tape the replay just because I couldn't have enough things taped. (laughs) (laughs) I got pretty hardcore as a teenager. What pushed you to get trained? And take that step to say, I want to try this. Yeah, so I started, I didn't even really know how to get involved. And actually, I used to play the trivia games on WWF at the time.com. Um, and then there's chat rooms too. So I, I ended up talking to a guy who was a ring announcer oddly enough, for independent promotions in St. Louis. (laughs) And I was in Toronto and like, I didn't really know what the indies were because I feel like unless you're like really involved in wrestling, you might not know what's around you. Um, So I didn't even know the indies existed. I just knew WWF, WCW, that was it. Um, And so this guy, I was telling him, you know, that I wanted to get into wrestling, but I don't know how. And so he kind of went online and found some like websites of some independent promotions like in and around the Toronto area and gave me the information. So I checked that stuff out and I had my best friend come over. We did a little backyard photo shoot and made a little bio for myself and just uh, sent everything out. And it was I actually got some responses of people who were because there weren't a lot of girls on the indies in Toronto at that time. Um and they were just like, yeah, you know, we have a show coming up uh, a month from now. If you want to come by, we'll see if we can use you. And, you know, everything just kind of snowballs from that first show. Um, and then I managed for probably a year and a half, a year to a year and a half before I decided I wanted to train. I was just getting bored, to be honest. I was just doing the same spots and the same shows. And it was I, want, I was watching it right in front of my eyes and I just wanted to do more. And um, I had actually started training with Eric Young. And he had a little school in Cambridge, Ontario. And I trained for about three weeks. And I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) I am not cut out to be a wrestler. You know, I was trying to bump and I was landing on my tailbone and smacking my Mm. head and landing on my tailbone and smacking my head and hitting my elbows. And it was like, you know, I was only like 100 pounds, you know, no, no control of my body and my limbs. And I was just like, oh, everything was black and blue and bruised. And I couldn't even walk up the three stairs from the garage into the house. Like I couldn't lift my legs because my tailbone hurt so much. And I was just like, oh, this is awful. This is not what I thought it was going to be. I couldn't do arm drags properly. I was just like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Three weeks and maybe I'm just not meant to do this. And then I probably took about a six week break. And then I really missed it. Like, I really, really missed it. And I was like, maybe I should give this another try. And then once I got back in the ring, things just started clicking. And then, you know, when things start clicking and things start flowing, you start getting a little more confident and a little more confident and you start feeling more positive. And then things just, and that's how I kind of got everything rocking and rolling from that point. Who, who, who did you go to then for training that second go round? Yeah, Rob Fuego. So um, he was actually doing dark matches for like WWE when they would come to Toronto. Um, and he helped train, like, uh, he's friends with edge and Christian and, um, and, you know, Johnny Swinger, Rhino, um, all those guys, you know, Rhino's from Detroit. So he's technically, you know, a Canadian <laughs> as yeah, well. Um, sure. but yeah, Fuego was on the Indies forever. He did, he did really, really well for himself and he was really helpful. Like Gail Kim trained with him after, um, her and Tracy left, uh, Ron Hutchinson's school. They came and trained with us. Taylor Wilde trained, um, oh, with us good, as well. Good and, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. We had an awesome Toronto crew. It was really good at that time. Um, 
And uh, yeah, he was really, really, really great with the girls. He actually loved training the girls. He was really helpful. He's really easy to get along with. And, um, you know, we, we had a really, really good uh, crew at that time. I've always been uh, really high on Gail Kim's work. She was one of the, uh, quite frankly, one of the best talents uh, of her gender, or just overall, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, I look I, from my old role in talent relations, which was a thankless job to start with, but when you find somebody that comes to work on time, they're professional, they're in, they're they're in good shape, they're not their their mind is clear, they're there to give you a hundred percent. You know, yeah. they're not cheating themselves, they're not cheating the promotion, not cheating the fans. Well, I got a lot of time for people like that, and that's what she was. She was a consummate pro, and I wish she had a better run in WWE. Hey, you know, we can say that all of us can say that to our, to some extent, you know, including me. But uh, sure, she she was really good. But I looked at when I look at the roster you guys put together on the female side uh, in TNA, there's some really strong talents in that group, and I'm just surprised that uh, the you know the, the male oriented bookers didn't understand what they had on their hands because you guys could probably been bigger <laughs> stars there if if given the opportunity. That's hindsight, but you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah, I mean i i was in I was in developmental. I was in the in Deep South, uh, just outside of Atlanta, for two years, and then I got released. And about five months later, I started with TNA. And um, I just remember when I was in WWE, like I wanted so badly to be brought up. And I was brought up for a couple storylines, but like none of them ever happened. Um, but I was so ready. Like I just felt so ready to be on TV and, you know, to share my talents with the world. And, you know, that didn't happen with WWE. And at the time I was really sad. But, you know, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, or as Cam Newton says, 50-50. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to go to TNA and be the beautiful people with velvet. And that was totally meant to happen, you know? So I'm, I'm so comfortable in looking back at that and saying, oh, okay, that's why that didn't happen at that time. But yeah, I was, I was so honored because like when we did that battle Royal at bound for glory in 2007, like that was the start of the knockouts division. And it was, it was so cool because it was like, everybody looked different and everybody had a different style and, Mm -hmm. and people were, were craving, like the fans were craving like some really good female characters and female wrestling at that time. So we were just, you know, everything's right place, right time. That's where we were when we started the knockouts division. And I'm so glad to have been able to have been one of the ones to help start that. And I wish that every girl in wrestling could have been at the knockouts division at that time, you know, cause we were having so much fun. We were getting the highest rated segments on spike TV and we were getting treated really well. We were getting numerous segments on the show and you know, the guys were, were so respectful of us and they thought it was awesome that we were getting like the highest rated segments too. They were so supportive. So it was just like, Oh my gosh, it was the best time. I wish we could somehow recreate that exact time again <laughs> now. Yeah. Go, go, we, that'd be it cool cool thing to be able to do go back in time and and, and uh, recoup some of those years I, i'd love that myself you know in wwe like this past weekend the rousey uh charlotte flair match they had dave finley uh, who was helping them uh as an agent and he's he's phenomenal he's an amazing agent he's a third he's a his dad was a wrestler and his son's wrestling in new japan mm, who was mm-hmm, who was your mm-hmm. who was your guy or your guys over the time that you were there that was your agent in charge or the guy that you really you go to as far as a coach or a producer? We had actually numerous agents uh, for the girls. Um, they kind of uh, hopped around. We had uh, Scott Demore, We had Savio Vega. 
we had Pat Kenny. Um, but, but one of the people that I found helped me a lot personally was actually Kip, Billy Gunn. Um, cause he was actually in the beautiful people <laughs> for uh, a decent amount of time. And he was just the time that velvet and I got to spend with him. I learned so much and just a lot of the, you know, hustle and bustle and, and confusion and, you know, stressful things that can kind of happen at TV when you're trying to put stuff together and, um, you know, follow certain storylines and all that kind of stuff. He, he could just say something that would take normally would take two hours for us to try to figure out. He'd say it to us in a minute and we'd all be like, Oh, of course. Perfect. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> have you. Have you seen him lately? He looks like he's built out of granite. Um, he he's great. ridiculous. I see, I see him all the time because he's working everywhere. Um, <laughs> but I remember even in TNA, like he would have like an entire, and I'm talking about an entire carrot cake, like sitting beside him while he was eating lunch. <laughs> and we'd be like, we'd be like, Kip, are you going to eat that? And he'll be like, oh, yeah. And we're like, where wow. do you put it? But you don't really know until you see him in person. He's a monster. <laughs> he's, a huge, he's a huge man. He's, you know, he's legit 6'5". And, you know and he still works out like he's 20. And he's one of the nicest people. Like, I just, I, I adore him so much as a professional and as a person. I can't remember where we were at a WWE a TV taping. But uh, adjacent to the arena we were using was a, uh, was a gym. So it probably was at an maybe it might have been in Indianapolis. I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, but he the, the boys had a pickup game of basketball. He schooled them all. He could, out, he could he's faster, stronger. He could out jump <laughs> any of them. <laughs> yeah. Taller and and he loved to impose his will. He is the the epitome of the alpha male in anything sure. he does. Yeah. So, and you know what? Now he's just like, he's so goofy. I don't know if you've like talked to him recently, but he's just so goofy. You know, like he just wants to joke around. He brings his son with him everywhere, which I think is awesome. You can tell that, you know, dad and son time, they're having a blast doing what they're doing on the road. That's cool. And yeah. you can understand that. You're, you're, you know, did your boy ever go with you anywhere? You're he has. Movies? Yeah, he has. And people just lose their minds when they see him. Of course they he's do. just so cute. <laughs> uh, I can see that. Hey, uh, what is the, you know, you, you guys are still doing it. The beautiful people are still making appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are, are, are booked often. You're busy. So it must mean you're drawing uh, promoters like you because I can't imagine uh, you or Velvet being hard to do business with. Uh, you know, no. you're, you're, fro- <laughs> you're, you're froze. And everybody holds their end up. We're good. So uh, yep. what what is it that uh, connected you two? I mean, it had to be something other than just wrestling. There's a lot of similarities in our personalities. Um, and then there's a lot of differences too. But the similarities like work to a T. Um, we had probably only just done a couple of indies together by the time we had signed with TNA. And um, we, we were just we were just kind of the same backstage. Like but both of us, like you would never believe how much food both of us eat by the way we look. But People, you know, we would always just be like, let's get this and let's get this. And we'd be mowing our faces off and catering and just laughing about this and that. And, um, you know, when we wrestled, we both wore like, you know, little outfits and little skirts and the fishnets. <laughs> and we both did our hair to the nines and our makeup to the nines. And we sprayed ourselves with glitter. So there was just a lot of things that were similar. And then just in hanging around backstage, we realized that we're both ridiculous. You know, we both have the same kind of sense of humor. We have the same sense of sarcasm. And I think that it just with us getting along so easily and so well, legitimately in person, 
made us, you know, cutting promos in the ring or doing our bats backstage segments when we were sitting in our thrones and we were just kind of shooting the breeze back and forth in our promos, but getting our points across. I think what made that seem so authentic and real is that it pretty much was like we weren't acting really, you know, we were we were upping ourselves maybe a hundred notches on like the on, you know, the the bitch scale maybe. But uh, we were just playing off of each other and just being as, as silly as we were backstage. And it just came across really, really authentic and really well. And I think that's what people liked. It wasn't like, oh, you can tell they're faking, you know, they're they're faking the way they're talking or they're faking oh, being that. bitches or they're. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, fans do, too. And then they don't bite and they don't want to see you, you know. But I think the reason that we worked so well is, A, wrestling at the time really needed what we were doing. So it was perfect timing. Um, and we were just the two best people to do it because we were just being us amped up really, really high with a lot of glitter. It always works best that way. It always Because mm-hmm. the, the, the talents sometimes don't fully understand that the more things you do in the ring that takes me out of reality, that where I roll my eyes, I say, oh, gee, come on. It kills uh-huh. you. It, you got to start all over again. Because people yeah. are very, especially today, Lauren, with social media as it is, and I know you're, right. you're, you're, you're very active in social media, as am I, because we're both entrepreneurs. We're, in, we're, we're independent contractors in that sense. Mm-hmm. If we don't mm-hmm. do it, who is? If we don't promote yep. us, who we got? You know, I got my back. You yeah, get your and even back. when you work for a major company, they want you to have your social media too because you're promoting yourself and you're promoting them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, the ones that can keep me in somewhat character, not, notwithstanding the fact that I understand what wrestling is and the entertainment com- components uh, uh, and the predetermination of some elements, I get that. But man, don't rub it in my face. You know, let me let me believe right. something. That's why when I see. Uh, I saw somebody the other day, I, I thought, uh, like Paul Heyman. Heyman is probably the best talker in wrestling right now. Mm-hmm. He probably, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, that's, maybe, Lauren, he has been for a long time. But he's him. He's an overbearing uh, son of a lawyer <laughs> who is yeah. fast-talking, a New Yorker. He's the, you know, the whole deal. The, you know, the, the, the bold Jewish kid from Scarsdale. That's who yeah. he is. And it's he perfect does. for wrestling. <laughs> perfect. He's, I told him one time, I said, you're so, and I, I meant this as a compliment. I don't know if you took it that way, at least in the beginning. I said, God dang, man, you're so easy to hate. You're mm, going to make, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're a great heel manager, man, because you're just so easy to hate. I, I have had something like that said to me similarly, and I took it as a huge compliment. Like, I want to say it was back in 08, me and Kevin Nash were doing media for a TNA pay-per-view that was actually in the town I went to college in, Oshawa, Ontario. It's about 40 minutes outside of Toronto. And we were doing media up there. And um, I think it was before the Fight Network became like a TV channel. I think it was a radio show. I want to say it was just maybe like a radio show. And I was doing their interview and I was being me, like I'm being me right now. And the guy who was interviewing me, he, he stopped like mid-interview and was like, I'm actually surprised at how like nice you are. Because <laughs> I don't think he was expecting that. I think he was expecting what he saw on TV. Mm-hmm. And Because I guess I'm just, I, I'm just very believable in that way, which is good. That's what you want to be. So Absolutely, yeah. I, I could tell... I could tell he kind of didn't know how to say, like, I'm surprised you're nice because I expected you to be a bitch. <laughs> but I was <laughs> like, no, that's great. Like, that's actually a compliment. Like, I, I, if you 
told if I'm a if I'm a heel on TV and you told me that you couldn't stand me, you are not hurting my feelings at at all. No, please know that I'm not like that in person because then I would have any friends. But you know that that's actually a compliment. <laughs> We're talking to Angelina Love, kids, uh, two-time runner-up in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Woman of the Year rankings in 09 and 10. No small feat. Uh, Ronda Rousey is the uh, number one in the Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated 100 thing they do for women. 500 for men, 100 for women. You know, for, Anyway, that's another story for another time. Uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on, as a, as a wrestler and performer, you've been, you've been doing it a long time. You're still young. Uh, what do you think of Rousey's uh, entry into pro wrestling? So I I actually think she's done great. Um, I know that people are really quick to jump on, you know, somebody from the football world entering wrestling or MMA entering wrestling. But if you think about it, it's not like Ronda hasn't been doing this for, you know, half her life, too. It, has she been in a professional wrestling ring? No. But she's been doing jujitsu. She's been doing, you know, MMA fighting. She's been, this has been her life too. And I know from seeing a lot of people come from the MMA world into pro wrestling, I, it, it's very challenging for them because they are like balls to the wall, like in the, in the cage in UFC and in MMA fighting, like that is like fighting, you know? And in wrestling, it's like, no, you don't really want to kill people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't really want to, I don't really, really get punched in the face or twisted up into a pretzel or get my arm broken. You know, so they, they're trained one way for so long and they train hard and they train hard and that's very respectable. So they're trained one way for so long. And then they come into pro wrestling where it's like, no, 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 pull back. No, 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 no. Make it look like you're going to hit her, but don't kill it. Pull, pull back a little bit, you know, just kind of graze her <laughs> this way. So I can understand how for someone like Rhonda, it's like, but how do you do that? <laughs> how right. do you oh, not so just like follow through like a freight train? So I think, I think she's killed it, to be honest. I, I think that she has made that jump so uber successfully. And I'm glad that, you know, a lot of the wrestling world hasn't just like just jumped on her ass and been like, bah, she's not doing it this way. She sucks or she's not. I, I feel like she's actually gotten a lot of support where people are like, wow, like Rhonda's doing really, really well. And I, I agree. I think she is. I think she is, too. She has this great match on Sunday night, arguably the match of the year in the, in the WWE, which I know that some there's some wrestling fans that don't like the success the women are having. I can promise you. Well, that's too old, damn bad. <laughs> yeah, it's right. There's a lot of old-time wrestlers, you know. Oh, those broads took all our TV time. You know, blah, blah, blah. Those broads. Okay. Like well, you, you know, know the, women aren't, the women aren't the bathroom break matches anymore, not by a long <laughs> shot. <laughs> no. Well, here's the deal. You know, Rousey has this great match with Charlotte. Uh, on Sunday night, they tear the house down. As good a female match with intensity and real physicality, I mean, they were laying stuff in. It was, it was it was exhausting to watch. I really, I really, really thought it was awesome. And then when Rousey's le- Rousey's leaving, the crowd in LA boos her. I'm thinking, are you shitting me? What's going why, on? Why here? do you think? Why do you think that was? I I I can't. I don't have a definitive answer, Lauren. Other than the audience seems to be so keen on needing to be a part of the show and the presentation and the fact that we live in a very defiant society. I mean, hell, our president of the United States is defiant. 
if you're a, if you really I'm not going to look around here, but he don't he doesn't like some Republicans. He doesn't like any Democrats, and he's defiant. If you're not in his camp, you're if you're not with me, you're against me type thing. And I just think that some of these people are are so damn defiant, and uh, it's just the society that we live in. I don't I don't I felt so sorry for her because. Lauren, she worked her ass off. She worked sure. so hard. She had she had welts on her body. She got beat up with a kendo stick, no less yeah. than 20, 20 shots. And they booed. Oh, I've so, been hit with the kendo stick. Those are not fun. <laughs> I bet not. Especially well. <laughs> what? So, what do you think? As sometimes do we do we does the audience get a little bit too immersed in their role in the presentation? I think so because I think social media kind of outed a lot of maybe the secrets of wrestling if you want to say that then you know how people call some of the smart marks like smarks or whatever then you have people who are now going to shows who think they know everything right so so or people who want a, attention for themselves i guess too so you know they're going to chant something really loud because they want people to pay attention to them or something like you know i I, it works in the way where, like, you know, Stone Cold was such a massive heel, but then everybody started loving him. So then you kind of start cheering the heel and, like, booing the baby face, like, whoever he's against, because they love a little bit of, like you said, defiance in, in the character as well. Um, I th- I'm not sure why it's like that now. But, I mean, like, Nia Jax, I understand mm-hmm. why she got booed. Because <laughs> she punched, you know, Becky Lynch in the face, and Becky's, like, so super ridiculously over right now and she played it off she kind of like blew on her hand and kind of shook it a little bit that was great so that i, 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 I like that Rhonda, I like that. i'm not sure why yeah i don't either man i i uh and then the, the irony was the next night on raw she comes down the same ramp in the same marina gets cheered cheer the heck out of her yeah who knows and she, you know what that's that's why i hope she didn't take it personal or personal because like sometimes with wrestling you just gotta throw your hands up and be like for, you know, one day to the next, it's going to be different. <laughs> well, one thing about that uh, presentation on Monday night, as much as I like to see Ronda on television, Monday night would not have been the night that I would have booked her on TV. And I could have said, well, it's past you by Jerry. I get this all the time because I'm an old dude. Is the mm. fact that she should have been, she got her neck pilmanized. She got beat up viciously, violently with a kendo stick. And maybe the, the deal was just to get her out there so that people could see her welts. I think we all knew. What maybe she was going or to look like. they, you know, they really want to push her as like this major fighting champion, right? So maybe they wanted to show her, like, you know, she took this beating on Sunday night, but because she's such a tough girl and she's oh, yeah. such a fighting That's champion, of course, she had to come out on Monday. But I don't think it would have hurt her at all to have not shown up on Monday. No, sell, yeah. do the gra- the package, sell, talk about it, and billboard her mm-hmm. for next week. She's going to be back with us next week. I can't wait to hear what she's got right. to say. And what's and next? Charlotte could go on SmackDown on Tuesday and be like, ha ha, I beat her so bad she couldn't even show up to work the next night. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then, then, yeah. It just, uh, I, I didn't understand that. But I, the, the, I just curious what you thought about that deal. You're right, though, about Becky Lynch. They tapped into something with Becky Lynch, uh, Lauren, in my opinion, that's extraordinary. That you don't run across every, every so, just every so often. And the other, and I hope this, because I want your opinion on Becky Lynch, I hope that, uh, they don't try to force feed her as a heel to right. me on television. Let her let her evolve they, to what she is. Think, but she's already the stone cold like babyface heel. <laughs> you well, know? That's what like, I think. I 
what he, so I I am like to the moon and back for her about how well this is working out. I love seeing stuff like that. I love it because like you can tell she's more comfortable in that in what she's doing right now than what she was doing before. And she needed that. She really, really, really needed something different than what she was doing. She needed that spark, you know, and just doing that little heel turn. Well, not little, excuse me, but doing the heel turn, it was like, you saw the crowd. I'm sure you watched it when she did it. People went did. bananas. Like, that's, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, this is what people want to see. And man, they bit hard. And she is like, the, what, it took her, it took her, what, a week to become like the most over thing in like Amazing. all of pro wrestling. Yeah. Blink of an eye. And because she, it was she's real. Playing it, she's playing it to a T too, even just on her social media. Like she keeps changing her little Twitter bio. Like I just changed this to see if Charlotte's going to change hers too. She probably will. <laughs> just like these little things, right? It's like people see those and it's just like, yes, she's doing this thing and it's believable. Just like when Velvet and I were the beautiful people, it was believable. People love to see a character be believable. And I just think this is like, she's probably having a ball. Well, healing from her injury, but she's probably just loving life, doing what great she's doing. Great time right to now. be, yeah, I say this all the time, it's a great time to be a fan. I think it's a great time to be in the business. For people like you and I that are opposite ends of our, our, our ages are different, obviously, but, you know, I'm, at, I'm on the back nine of my situation. I get that, but I have no issue saying that or living that. But it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I can work every weekend. I can work all the time. If I, sure. if I want if I want to get my my big ass up go to the airport hey folks you can follow uh Lauren uh, on Twitter at actual a love you do a good job promoting all your appearances on your social media accounts yeah my Twitter is actual a love and then my Instagram is a love for the number four life and then two 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 because that's my favorite number there you go folks there you hear it how to get a hold of this young lady I, I admire your work ethic I admire the fact that you're putting being a mom ahead of everything and uh, you should be it sounds like well what's the big deal because folks here's the big deal not enough of us do that and mm-hmm. she's she's doing this and i uh like i said i just i it's like i follow their uh, her story with her son i here's what i think i think you'd be a great uh i think you'd be a great person on a reality show oh okay i really do because your look <laughs> And your your experience and your background, the fact that you you're Canadian, uh, mm-hmm. there are all these different things. But that little man, that little man. Oh there, yeah, there's your. Uh, yep, he is he is a character in himself. I think he definitely has like he has his shy moments. If you meet him, he'll probably be shy for two minutes. But he is quite the outgoing little guy. And I can think you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine people wanting to watch him grow up on television? It, I think yeah, be it fun. would be. It would be cool, but it would also be weird as his mom, but it would be cool. It would be both, if that makes sense. <laughs> if it can be managed and harnessed in the right way, in a positive way, you know. Right. I sound like I'm, I'm Walt Disney here trying to pitch a show, but uh, <laughs> he's the, he, you, you and he both are it's an enchanting couple. And it's a mom and oh, a son that's, a, that's bonded together. And I think it's good for all of us to see that relationship. Because you know, you I always so many- wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. And... Um, I just didn't know how it was going to happen or when or, you know, with who or whatever. But like your your life literally does like immediately change and it's more hectic and it's sometimes more stressful. But it is the most magical thing. Like even if he's gone for five minutes, my heart like I'm watching videos of him on my phone. Like I'm totally obsessed with him. Like he's he's my whole everything. And he's my my best friend is two and a half. 
and it's the that's, greatest thing ever. <laughs> that's very cool. Well, we started out our conversation talking about your, your being a single mom, talking about your boy, <laughs> and we're ending it the same way. So I, I like that symmetry. And I want JR, to thank you very much. It was a total much. honor being on your show. I've watched wrestling my whole life. I always thought you were an amazing interviewer and commentator, and I very much appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you, young lady. Happy Thanksgiving. And, and give a little boy well. a hug. I sure will. Thank you. Man, I love that conversation. She is a superwoman. Angelina Love, nor very well in that, under that name for many years. And of course, uh, Lauren Williams, her, her, her walking around name. At Actual A Love on Twitter. Single mom, man. You talk about how many, how many balls does she balance? Organization. She's uh, unsinkable. So I got a lot of time for people like that. And we can learn a lot from a woman like Lauren Williams. You, you, you want to be a wrestler and you say you've got a child? Well, don't table your dreams. Don't let your child be the reason that you're not following your dreams. It's not meant to be that way. So I want to thank her again for her time and uh, great conversation. Follow her on Twitter. She's a great follower there. And folks, we appreciate you guys rating and subscribing. Of course, an Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate those five-star ratings. Uh, we need 190 more to hit our goal at the end of the year of 1750. So leave us a five-star rating. Uh, I'll take you a couple minutes, Max, and I thank you for it. BP Lampkin says, this is the most all-around perspective into the professional wrestling industry. Thank you, sir. The best in the business is back at it with a new and improved format. JR, I've enjoyed Slobberknocker so much, I had to buy a copy for my brother <laughs> as well. Cool, man. Thank you, BP Lampkin. Uh, look forward to seeing me at a WrestleCon sometime. Well, I'll be in... And at Russell K this uh, Saturday, 10 to 3, if you're in that neck of the woods, that part of the country. And I thank you for the Slobberknocker purchase. They're still going great at uh, Amazon.com. Believe it or not, as much as I have, have hyped it, a lot of people are just discovering my book. Amazon.com can take care of you. Audio, E, hardcover. Peyton8818 says, JR is the best. You're the best, Jerry. The best. Easy to listen to. I've never seen or heard him do something I didn't love. Oh, nice. Thank you, sir. That's from Peyton Manning, ladies and gentlemen. Eh. Doggy Paddle says, yes, I said Doggy Paddle. If that's code for some crazy game, shame on me. Doggy Paddle says, great show by an American legend. Wow. Slobber knocker audio. Indeed it is, my man. Indeed it is. I'm assuming Doggy Paddle is a, is a male. Remember, folks, to submit your comments, questions, or interview suggestions, whatever's on your mind, whatever we can do to make this show better for you, thejimrossreport at gmail.com. Producer Ted reads those relentlessly. He'll read them in the middle of the night. He loves it. Can't get enough of it. Uh, new episodes do drop every Wednesday, as you guys know. Thank you very much for that. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, insufferable times in this program, I'm on Twitter, at JRSBBQ. And on Facebook and Instagram, thanks to Sean Cradle, the, uh, the charge of Dan McDivitt in Maryland Championship Wrestling. Take care of my Facebook and Instagram at Jim Ross BBQ. Jim Ross BBQ, uh, Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget this Saturday from 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, I'll be at Russell Kate in Winston-Salem. We're bringing books and 
sauce and all kinds of good stuff, jerky. So uh, come on out. Not a bad place to do a little shopping. Our, our sauces make good stocking stuffers. Plus, I'll sign them. And then, of course, the King and I are going to be in Hilarities on Saturday, December the 8th. That's in Cleveland. Uh, big show. More on that next week. Tickets are on sale at hilarities.com. The VIP starts at 2 o'clock. The meet and greet, the autographs, the photo ops, everything. And then the show starts at 4. Nice little matinee there for all of us in Cleveland. The day before, the Browns play uh, the Carolina Panthers, of which the King and I will be attending. I think they should let us flip the coin or something. Do something, right? Maybe we could call a quarter for on radio. I don't know. I'm kidding. They're not going to. You think they're going to let two wrestling announcers touch their sacred NFL product? No chance in hell. And uh, finally, uh, I want to say uh, enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the off- opportunities that Thanksgiving for many of us presents. It brings back to me wonderful memories. I said earlier about sitting in my mom's little mobile home in Adair County, Westfield, Oklahoma, and watching her explain to my wife, Jan, how to make cornbread dressing. And it all started making homemade cornbread and a great big old black skillet, cast iron. Remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, so with all that said, folks, enjoy Thanksgiving. The memories are priceless. As much as I don't want to diss the December holidays, I don't like anything more than I like Thanksgiving. I love the family. I love the food. Wink, wink. I love the football. I love all that. So enjoy it. Hope you love it as much as I do. And remember that cornbread dressing is a, is the backbone of Thanksgiving. Every year when I, think, when I talk about those Thanksgiving events going to, to Louisiana, the Superdome, the first time I went there, I almost freaked out because I got dressing. Little did I know it was oyster dressing. I was not prepared to taste oysters in my dressing. I wanted cornbread dressing, man. So I, they, they had it, and I, had, I swapped it out. But cornbread dressing is my And with a little bit of turkey gravy, I'll get hungry right now. Folks, have a great uh, week. Thanks for being with us. As always, hope you come back next week. A new show drops on Wednesday. Remember that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So from uh, the cat, high above Oklahoma City, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Westwood One Podcast Network's ENC's Pod of Awesomeness. Your hosts, Edge and Christian, talk wrestling. Sean Michaels, everybody. Do you still have the Porsche? No, I got rid of it. All the fans were standing there, and you and I pull out in this convertible Porsche and go for a cruise. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, that's the first and only Porsche I've ever driven was yours, man. I'm a dirty old truck driver. ENC's Pod of Awesomeness. Download it free and easy wherever you get your podcasts from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.